You are listening to the Greenhorn Podcast. Two brothers discuss their journeys through the trials and tribulations of life. My name is Gordon, and alongside my brother Neil, we hope to share our stories and experiences as we raise our families, pursue our dreams, and share our thoughts on anything that interests us. Episode five, take three. Um, and I'm surprised. He just did it. He just, he just did it the first thing. You just did um. it. <laughs> So I was like, Neil, can you introduce the podcast today on the first take? I was going to get him to try and do it. Then the second one, we had a problem. And then the third one, just before it, I was like, Neil, let's 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 try something a bit new and try something a little bit different. Don't include ums, ahs, or tuts during your uh, podcast. And within about five words, he said, um. And it's exceptionally diff- difficult. I don't know why. But um, Gordon made a good point. I probably do that in presentations on Zoom and on Teams and stuff, so... Yeah, we made it to episode five. Um, I was just saying... You, it, you just did it again. You went M. <laughs> <laughs> you going to start bleeping them out? Uh, well, we're going to have to find... We're going to just... We're just going to keep them in, right? So then anyone who decides, they can comment every time Neil says um or ah uh, or eh. <laughs> or maybe we have like a pound for every time you do it and someone can tally it up and you can donate it to some charity. Or yeah. just give it to me and then I can spend <laughs> it and then basically flaunt all the cash you've given me all the ums and ahs you've been doing. Good, right. Episode five. <laughs> we made it. Episode we have we have made it. And um there's me again. I should I should pay a pound in the swear jar there. The the thing we were talking about was Neil couldn't believe that we'd made it <clears throat> to episode number five. Which is, you know, it's fair because but most people fail it up to ten episodes, realistically. They'll do it for about four about four weeks, maybe eight weeks, and then they sort of give up. It's like the New Year's resolution sort of thing, right? But I'm I'm pretty happy that we've got a setup where it's not that tricky to record, really, is it? Yeah, it, it, it's easy. The barrier to entry is easy. Um, although I, I do find myself like you just ummed again, didn't you? <laughs> I do you find did, myself yes. get get into the end of the week. We haven't recorded one yet. It's Sunday evening, if if anybody can tell. And um, don't know. And again, you think you think you could just. Um, 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 <laughs> Yeah, you could just sit on the sofa and, I don't know, enjoy a beer and watch TV. But, yeah, it gets you out of your comfort zone. We're discussing something that's quite deep in this episode um, oh. and, and got the the kind of the juices flowing quite a lot throughout the week. And I was just chatting to a friend who had friends over for dinner and they were asking, what's the next episode? And, um, oh, that's fun. The, um, well, but then, but then the reason why, this, this is kind of the reason why, like you say, you, we could easily just sit on the sofa and do absolutely nothing and not record a podcast. But in that same vein, this is really just a conversation between two brothers. Like we, we should, or brothers or brothers and sisters or you know, family members or t- tight friends, you should have a, a weekly conversation with them. You should be having like a half hour, 45 minute catch up about how their week was. Yeah. Because yeah. E- even, if, even if it's a simple thing of like, how are you? You know, when, when you know, I, I, I know that I'm a dad now, Neil, and I, uh, I can certainly sympathize. I'm sure there are times when people don't necessarily turn around to you and go, how are you, Neil? Because you just seem to be like hardcore and you just work and, you know, <laughs> Make it do up. all the dad things. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's nice, it's nice to have a brother chat and just ask you, you know, Neil, how was your week? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, um, it was good. Uh, highlights, I'd say... I went out with a couple of friends at the start of the week. That was on Tuesday, which was rare. Um, as a as a three, as a dad of three, you don't get that opportunity much. So, went out with a, my boss from work and another friend, Cameron, which was great. A few pints, a meal out, and watched the the Tinder Swindler last night. Which I don't know if you've seen oh, yeah, that. Yeah, we watched that. Yeah, we watched um, it. it. It was it was good. It was pretty eye opening actually. Just the the, the the length a guy can go to. I won't ruin it for anyone, but length a guy can go to just to make some money um bonkers isn't it but it just shows how vulnerable people are and equally how crazy how incredibly crazy people are willing to to manipulate that vulnerability yeah yeah for sure for sure and neil neil's neil's of the age that i don't think you ever were on, you never were on tinder were you I, I wasn't i'm not of the age because i'm younger than you and you were on tinder but i've, ne- I've never been on tinder do you feel does that upset you uh, no I don't think I said to Rebecca like I'm glad we that was last night and I'm, I'm glad I don't have to go through that like 
you know, the, the dates that just don't mean anything or don't go anywhere. I'm glad I did that traditional way of, of meeting Rebecca and we can maybe go down that path in another episode when we've run out of, of topics to, to chat about. But yeah, I'm just glad a traditional way, party, easy. You, I did me. I, I did the complete opposite and met my <laughs> wife on Tinder. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and what was, Rebecca- what was another win? Another win for last week? Was it a professional win for last week? Because we've done the personal win. Have we done a professional win? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save that till till next week when I can talk about it. Oh, oh, this uh, is saucy. <laughs> See, sometimes we can't really talk about things on the podcast. You know, this is that's the tricky thing, right? Yeah. Um, there's personal business stuff that Rebecca signed. We- Rebecca signing a lease tomorrow on a bakery. So in the previous episode. We um, discussed wow. that Rebecca started up a vegan bakery and yeah, they've got a bricks and mortar premises. Wow, that's very exciting. Nerve wracking and exciting, I'm sure. Yeah, 12 month lease. Um, we should just see how it goes. Take risks. Anyway, how's your week? How's your week been? What's your highlights? Last week, last week was a busy, like hot, pretty hardcore week. Two, At least two of the days were, I got up at 5am and didn't get home until probably 8, 9pm. Wow, there were there were long days. We had uh, we were doing a right with me thing where we go to locations in London and they're like we like we worky spaces where we film in them. Our right with me episode because Ali's writing his book, and then it would be like filming all day, or it'd just be like the usual activities all day of doing things. Or it, it, we went to gym. We, actually, we went to Gymshark. That was a very cool thing. There was two two cool things happened. First one was we went to Gymshark, which was an all-day affair. Like we had to leave at seven a.m. or whatever else. I was up early, worked till you know seven seven eight p.m. But we basically hung out with a guy called Steve Hewitt, who's the former CEO of Gymshark. He was, I think, about the seventeenth employee or something, and you know carried it helped sort of build the business to essentially this billion-dollar company that it is now. He used to work for Reebok and Adidas, so it was kind of looking at things that. You know, previously I probably would have thought were quite boring, which is things like org charts and you know structures and how how to distribute responsibility and who goes to who should assign to certain people and all these kind yeah. of things. But I, I find that I think kind of quite interesting now, being old and weird. That so was, was that, that was that an episode or is that you? It will be a vlog, yeah. So I'm filming a vlog and I was I just recorded the whole thing as like a, basically the podcast. So I had like a little Zoom H6 thing in the middle of the room and it just recorded every... Nice. Then we did a podcast recording episode. So Ali has a podcast called Deep Dive and we recorded a podcast with a guy called uh, Julian Hearn, who is the founder, not the CEO necessarily, but the founder of uh, Huel. So Huel's like a meal replacement vegan product thing. It's complete fuel or something, they call it like that. But the most interesting part of this was just listening to someone's just entrepreneur journey, if you will. So Steve was really fascinating um, based on him, how he's building up sort of Gymshark, but then it was equally fascinating. But he, but his background was very corporate. It was a very kind of go to university, get a job with Adidas and Reebok, then left there, went to go and work at the startup in Gymshark. It became amazing. And there he is. And that's not to say he didn't work hard. And that's not to say that he wasn't intelligent and he didn't do a great job. But Julian's... Um, Julian's sort of story was really interesting where he was, he was, he was like a, you know, your very Netflix style type of entrepreneur. <laughs> In the you know, he didn't, yeah, he had a really rubbish job and didn't really enjoy it. And he was working a bit of marketing, but then he started this voucher code website thing that made loads of money and he sold it for, I think it was just less than 10 million pounds or something. He wasn't like allowed to exactly say what it was, but he did like late nights and he was traveling and it was just all really difficult. Then he made a bit of money. So he was a bit comfortable but then he decided he wanted to do something else. So then he started playing around with this sort of fitness thing and fitness journey because he got a personal trainer. And then it ended up like basically transpiring into Huel. And it was wow. just really fascinating to be in a room like that, listening to a, a great conversation and equally being able to ask some of my own questions and just see what was going on. So yeah, those were two pretty damn cool things in terms nice of uh, work week. Apart from that, Olivia started eating food. So she's now weaning. Yeah, I saw that. Broccoli and cabbage, I think. I saw on. She had, she had Brussels sprouts yesterday. No, Brussels sprouts today. She had carrot yesterday. So she's, um, she's yeah, she's, she's developing into a proper little human. And she started to now do things that are kind of more human-like. You know, she'll put herself in a certain position when we're about to pick her up. When we're taking off her, her uh, baby grow, she moves her arms in a certain position. So she knows what she's doing. She's very conscious. 
And then the last one is obviously Scotland beat England at the rugby for the for a back-to-back Calcutta Cup, which was yeah delightful. That was, that was mad. I had a few friends that were there um, watching it live, which I'm jealous of. But yeah, good game. No, I'm it's always a big nice fan. A big fan of big fan of Scottish rugby, and the the sort of young squad that we have are doing really well. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that continues. Maybe we might get another win. We've never won the Six Nations, so it'd be quite nice to see if we can potentially do that. Who knows? Yeah. So we'll move on to our, our topic of the week, which um, I chose last week: um, biggest fears. Which, as I, I don't know if I mentioned it already, but. It got you thinking and I had friends over for, for dinner tonight and they were asking, oh, what's the next po- podcast episode? And I kind of went through my biggest fears and, and we had some good conversations about them. Um, it's not something you necessarily think about, although there might be in the background of your head, that like your subconscious. Um, but yeah, it's interesting just putting them on pen, put pen and paper down, writing about them and, and digesting them. So, well, I go first. If you want to, you seem like you're, you're burning to tell everyone about your, uh, your biggest fear. <laughs> I've got three, so my third one's a bit of a funny one, but my, the first one um, is t- terminal illness so or, or a life-threatening accident um, happening to family or friends. So I think that, that, that really scares me. Um, for example, if somebody developed Parkinson's or stage four cancer or, or that kind of thing that's in my close circle or, or family member or, or that kind of thing, yeah, that, that kind of is a fear. And um, I think it's probably quite a common one. I think probably quite a lot of people... Um, think that and it's one of the reasons why I try and re- keep relatively healthy by running re- watch my diet eat try and eat five six f- fruit veg a day um, so I don't kind of I reduce the chances but I think in this day and age it's like one in two people will get cancer of some sort and um, yeah it definitely plays in my mind that's number why, one why does it play why does it does it play in your mind if someone else in your family gets it or you play in your mind that you get it because they're, they're two different fears, aren't they? Yeah, no, that's right. So I think it, it's more the a family member or a close, or like a, a mum or a dad that gets it. Um, so like, watch, so like watching, some, watching someone deteriorate, essentially. Yeah, and be that support that they need. So, for example, if Rebecca was, was ever to get something, then I'm the kind of the glue that sticks the family together, the, 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 the dad that's got to be strong in front of the kids and... And also support Rebecca through something. Um, it's pretty hard. And for me, I don't really think of it as a, if I get it. Um, I, I don't know why. It's, it's more an external, if somebody around me gets it, I've got to be that strong person that tries to keep things going. What, why do you think Why do you think that's your first fear? Because that's a quite an interesting thing to select. Because it's like most, most people would select that, but perhaps it's not necessarily the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the default, and I think a lot of people might say this, is, oh, I'm scared of dying or or something like that. And I don't know, I, I feel a bit different about dying. And again, this is this is going quite deep. So, but I think, I, don't, I'm, I feel like I'm at a stage where I've done a lot in my life, relatively successful career, raising three children, bought a house for my family. If I was to be given a, a, I don't know, a, a few weeks to live, I'd obviously be devastated. I won't be there for my kids. I won't be able to support them through things. But I don't think it's not a big fear of mine. I feel I'm, I'm kind of at peace with, with what I've achieved so far. That If I was in three weeks' time to to end up in a grave, then... <laughs> but, but watching someone uh, watching someone go through a debilitating illness like Parkinson's or be, uh, be terminally diagnosed with something, because then you kind of selfishly you're kind of left there aren't you yeah yeah and you're there to as i mentioned pick kind of pick up the pieces and be that glue that holds everyone together especially when you've got young kids God, this, um, this, is, this is a morbid question but i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you screw it let's let's say you get um you get diagnosed with parkinson's what do you do i would go as, as long as i can with the ability of still looking after myself so feeding myself going to the toilet myself and that kind of thing and when I get to a certain stage I would hope or like to be able to decide when I'm gonna take a pill or I don't know how they do it nowadays injection or something yeah so the the old euthanasia in Switzerland yeah it's uh aided aided suicide essentially because I don't know, I, 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 
if I end up a vegetable, then I don't know, it's Rebecca and the kids that are relying, I'm relying on to look after me and I don't want that. So, yeah, no, I, um, I, I think I'm on, I, I am definitely in agreement actually with you on that front. You know, I, I, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd rather not turn into a vegetable and lose, lose my mind and lose my, lose, lose, lose my soul. You know, if, if there ever, if there is a soul or whatever that's, what that is described as, but you know, your personality, your person all disappears. I, I am not interested in getting to that point. I, yeah. I'd, I'd honestly be much rather dead. Yeah. So if anyone's and watching. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. That, and that's, you know, that's a, it's a really horrible thing to think, but I think it's, I think it's responsible to think about those. And I think when, when we consider death, some people just won't talk about it because it's such a difficult thing to talk about. And, and I get that. And that's the, you know, it, it is a difficult thing because, you know, we've had people in our lives die and I've been, I've been certainly been old enough to remember them and be going to funerals and it just being a horrible experience. But at the same time, there are certain situations where perhaps you've got to be like, hey, if this thing happens, this is kind of what, what I'd like to, 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 to happen. And, and if, it's, if it's something as big as something like getting Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or any kind of type of uh, debilitating condition, you know, I'm, I am about probably an element of choice there, I think, is important for me. And I'd, I'd like to choose choose me choose that my my partner and my kids and brothers and sisters and whoever they are don't suffer with my with my issues um, yeah yeah because it's just it's just not nice for anyone really involved i think yeah no i i agree um so what's your what's your number one my number one this was, this was kind of an interesting because I, I, I thought about it all week and that's what maybe was was good about the topic that you picked and when I was when I was a teenager, I think I used to say that I, I didn't want to die alone. That was, that was a big part of that. But it, it's kind of weird how that that fear has kind of transcended, if you will, from me as a teenager to me now, you know, a mid thirties man. When I was younger, I was like, it was more the fear of dying, like drowning on my own in the sea, for example. Or like alone in somewhere, or in the car, or whatever else. It was just I would be alone in a situation and I would die. Yeah, felt like yeah. that was going to be that was pretty shit. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> but then, as as I've kind of you know maybe matured and got a little bit older and thought a little bit more about this, it's actually just the fear of dying alone, like literally being an old man and having no mates, you know, having no one around me, no significant other. And those are two kind of slightly, there's a, there's a much more motivating, a much more motivating undertone to the second idea of dying alone. Because, you know, you have to, you have to invest in friends. You have to call yeah. them up. You have to, you have to have a pot, you have, you have to have a chat with your brother once a week if he's going to like you for the rest of your life. <laughs> because, but, but that, but that is true. Like how many, how many people, how many siblings, how many people just drift apart because they allow it to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what happens like a, a lot of friendships don't necessarily break down because i don't know someone slept with someone's wife or you know someone didn't do something somewhere generally friends if they maintain the relationship where they send the odd text message or they, they, they meet up for a coffee or whatever else that that friendship maintains for a long long time and and especially if you keep those friendships relatively, relatively small and then you invest heavily in them you, you're not going to die alone you know, you're going to have people around you at your deathbed, unless they unless they all die first, which would be unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think there's something to be said about, and this is obviously personal preference, but having a big family. So having a lot of, or a number of kids, again, very personal preference, but I feel that I've got three, which I'm, I'm very lucky to have. And yeah, when I, when I grow 60, 70 years old, they're hopefully going to have their wives or, or partners and they're going to have kids. And that just, I don't know, spread your network. And I don't know, you, they, they might all hate you, Neil. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All, all your kids, <laughs> and me, Rebecca, I don't know, anyone else, your in-laws. Yeah, I'll pay someone. I'll pay someone with my millions. <laughs> just get rich, get rich enough and you'll be all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's kind of a there, there's a, there's a, there's a point to this sort of the dying alone thing and maybe a greater point to all of this. And, and the whole fears aspect. And this is kind of like quite stoic, maybe. I think it, it, I think it is. It's the, el the element of control 
you know, we, we can't control whether we get cancer really. Like we, we can go for a run and we can eat our vegetables, but if we're going to get cancer, we're going to get cancer. You know, like not smoking is probably part of control. You know, dying, dying alone, you can't really control whether or not you're going to drown in the sea. You could probably learn to swim or you could have a life raft or you don't can't you can't mass hugely control whether you're gonna die in a car alone, that kind of thing. But I do think that you can kind of control your attitude to life and your relationship with your friendships. So then you don't necessarily die alone. You can make those choices yourself and you can be proactive and talk to people and go out. They may may not like you, but at the end of the day they'll probably appreciate <laughs> the effort at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of this is like looking at fear rather than Fears that you you can't control because should you fear things that you can't control? Probably not. You should probably fear things or do something about those fears that you can control to a certain degree, like your attitude by making sure that you talk to your mates. You know, going for a run, just eating your vegetables, which probably reduces your risk of cancer and that kind of thing quite considerably. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of a greater point to that. But yeah, what's your second one, Neil? Is there a, is this a bit less morbid than, morbid than dying? It is. Uh, I've got Excellent. three as mentioned, and my, my second one is, is is a bit less morbid, and my third one's just hilarious. So, yeah, second one because you, because you're a funny guy, yeah. <laughs> someone like that. Um, being <laughs> being found guilty for something I didn't do, and ending up in jail for a, a period of time, whether that's life or or something. And th- there's re- there's a, a lot of real life stories, and Netflix is full of them, but. Even if you read a lot of articles and stuff, there's, there's a lot of stories where people have done life in jail and then through various evidence and, and new technologies for looking at, um, what do you call it, like DNA and stuff. Um, yeah, they've, they've been found not guilty. And I think that's terrifying, like spending 20, 30 years in jail and you're then eventually you're found not guilty and you get out when you're 70 years old. That, that that scares me. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think there's less of a chance now of that actually happening, like getting convicted of something because of because like technology, for example, you're less likely to be wrongly convicted versus maybe fifty or fifty odd years ago when there was probably a much greater circumstance where you might be just the wrong person at the wrong time. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right, and also the circle of friends you have and the acquaintances you have throughout your life probably play a part in that as well so if you're hanging about with drug dealers and, and that kind of thing then there's probably a greater chance of you getting caught up in something that you might have done, not, not done but we get framed for it this, this is this this is a good this is a good segue into a story neil i think isn't it <laughs> I've, I've never been arrested <laughs> well maybe not arrested are, are we going to talk about when i was 14 years old and lighting a bin on fire that's correct neil <laughs> when when you were uh you were you were as party to a group of people and you, you didn't necessarily partake in it, but you were picked up by the police and they didn't believe where you lived. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, I'll, I'll tell that story. There was a few of us and I wonder if any from anyone from Inverary will be listening to this, but there was a few of us behind a supermarket and there was big bins and yeah, friends of mine were setting them alight. Um, but not not to, to a blaze, but they had a lighter and they were just flicking it against some paper beside the bin, which obviously is not very safe. Anyway, the police came, everybody ran. Um, I ran as well, but I was the one that they caught first. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that segues into another story about, um, yeah. That, that's, My, Neil's, that's Neil's motivation for his running <laughs> now. That, so so he, he'll never, ever get caught by the police again. Yeah. And yeah, police said, where do I live and what's my name and all that stuff. So I told them my address and I don't know if they, they necessarily didn't believe me, but they took, they took me home and where me and Gordon lived was uh, in a real, r- rural area where, I mean, not many cars would drive past at all. Um, and they probably see a police car once in a blue moon, once every five years. And anyway, here's me in the back of a police car <laughs> coming down the road and um, probably the farmers outside looking, oh, what's happened? Neil Neil never did get enough shit for that. I'll be perfectly honest, because <laughs> I don't think I don't I didn't live at home at that time. I don't think I think I was I'd already got a flat or something. No, that, like I, I was it was like I was 15, 14, 15. <coughs> Aye, but I I'm I moved out of house when I was eighteen, Neil. Oh, okay, so yeah, maybe, maybe you weren't living with me. So I, I don't think Neil got enough shit for that. To be perfect, <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> get get taken home in a police car. But anyway, that is you know getting convicted wrong wrongly convicted. You weren't necessarily convicted, but there are some lessons there where you're talking about how if if you if you hang around, if your best mate is a drug dealer and you hang around with him all the time, you're just you're just waiting waiting to get picked up about something surely or yeah. get influenced into something that you shouldn't. So I guess I guess part of that is there is an element of control where you can choose your friends. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to hang around with a drug dealer or mind you though, you, uh, you know, do you think Dragon and your mates are capable of doing anything quite significant? Not that I know of. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And even if it did, I wouldn't call out on here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. But yeah, then that, that's pretty scary. It's getting convicted of something you didn't mean. Or, you know, I, I could probably touch on that. It's not necessarily my second one, but it's the, uh, you, you make a mistake, right? When you're driving a car, I don't think people realize quite what they've got in their hands, right? It's, it, 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 if you make one wrong move, if you don't make the right decision within a split second, something could happen that would ultimately result in not necessarily you being convicted of murder, but you might be convicted of manslaughter or reckless yeah. driving, for example. There's, there's plenty of incidences where that could occur. So you're not necessarily wrongly convicted. You're just convicted of something where you've just made a mistake. And yeah. unfortunately, yeah. the ramifications of that mistake are, yeah, going to jail. Yeah, no, and I think that, that, that does play as well. I didn't mention it, but you could be driving along or a freak accident where something bad happens and it's manslaughter on your name. And that's not going to go down well. Anyway, what's your what's your number two? I was trying to think of like fears and some of them are irrational. Some of them are probably irrational, but it was, it was largely a discussion. And this was something I was thinking about when I went from self-employed to employed. And most people consider sort of self-employment as unsteady, as uh, difficult, as um, just, just, yeah, I think generally unsteady. I don't know the exact words I want to use, but there are un- unsteady aspects of self-employed life. People would see it as, you know, you're having to go out there and get work and work's not always coming at the same time or blah, 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 blah. And they tend to see employment as a very much a safe thing to do. You know, you go to work, you get your, you get your paycheck at the end of the month, you get your set hours, all those kind of things. So I think one of the fears that was around that was really my ability to provide. You know, can I yeah. can I do the the stereotypical old school idea of being a man providing for his family so that, so that, so that fundamentally Olivia can eat and have a nice pram to sit in and can drive a nice car. And, but Laura can also live in the the safety that everything's taken care of. The bills, the bills are done and she can do the most important job that I think any human being can do on the planet is raise our child and not have to worry about anything like that. So one of my biggest fears is, is not being able to provide, not be able to, to provide that safety blanket for for us to be able to raise our family and do all those kind of things. But I'm, I feel like I'm in a bit of a unique position where not only have I proved to myself that I can, people want to employ me for my services, so they'll they'll pay me a, a good salary, they'll give me benefits that go along with it, they'll um, give me a job, I can have job security all around that, I get holiday pay, all those kind of fun perks of being employed. But equally, I can I can I can prove that for ten years, I was capable of earning very good money with my own two bare hands. I didn't need I didn't need to be employed. I didn't need to have you know someone else marketing, someone else sales doing sales, someone else doing website design, someone else doing the job and role that I do. So I suppose there is that kind of irrational fear of can I provide for my family, but at the same time. I think it, I wanted to revolve around a bit of a story that, you know, self, being employed is isn't as safe as being employed. isn't isn't safer than being employed. And in actual fact, I think being employed is probably less safe because uh, interesting. Often, if, often, if you're self-employed, your your income may not necessarily just come from one area. It may come from multiple streams. So you should take the you should always take the overall blanket viewpoint. That no matter if you're self-employed or employed, you should have multiple income streams, because at any time anything can be pulled from under you. So when you, but it's rare that everything would be pulled from you. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that, that's sound advice. Um, but I'd, I'd probably challenge the, and you might get this when you're self-employed, but a lot of companies now, especially in the private sector, will have death and service insurance. So I know if I die tomorrow, Rebecca's going to get five times my salary in a lump sum. Okay. And yeah, and but every company I've worked for has had that similar scheme, four or five percent, uh, four or five times. So you talk about like being able to provide and leave money for your for your family. Well, that's kind of an insurance policy against that. I don't know if you'd have that if you're self-employed. Yeah, so I, I have life insurance. Okay. So there, there are like that, that kind of like death and service stuff. That's pretty cool. Like you get paid out, you know, five times and not everyone has health insurance or life insurance. Uh, but you should, I think if, if you have dependents and you have, you know, I have two mortgages, ultimately I know that they're both, the, both those mortgages are taken care of. Like they're wiped as soon as, yeah, as soon as I die. As well. yeah, yeah. yeah. So sure. I don't necessarily get five times my salary, but I'm sure I could probably set up something with being self-employed for that kind of type of insurance. And I'd also argue that if you are a like very good type of self-employed person, and let's say you offer services in, I don't know, the creative side, like videography stuff I was doing, I had multiple clients. But it also meant that I was earning, I was definitely earning a lot more than I was earning now. Yeah, I, and you've got the t- tax advantages as well. <laughs> and you've got all the tax advantages. So at the same time as well, you you're earning more, so then you could potentially insure for yourself more. So you might get 10 times your salary. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there are things in place that you can certainly manage it to a certain degree. But it is, it is that fear, that fear of like, can, can I, can I provide for my family? And that's, you know, making sure that I, you know, do the right things, make the right choices. And, but I feel quite confident in talking about that idea of control I've, I've proved to myself for 10 years that I could do it my, on my own with only two hands, but at the same time, uh, people want to employ me for what I do. So, yeah, that was my second view. No, I, I think that's a good one. Um, and just a side note to that, you mentioned, let's get my train of thought. Yeah, being able to provide long-term if you're not available or not around, you can reduce that risk by not taking drugs and not drinking in excess alcohol and all that stuff because... They all play a part in, in getting cancer or, or other health conditions. Yeah, and, all, and also not turn up to work on time. Yeah, yeah. So that, like, there's, lots of, there's lots of side effects to all these things that I don't think a lot of people think about. I, yeah. I, I get it. I, I like to have a, a beer or two and go out and whatnot. But then some dads in some, some areas and things like to take drugs and go out on weekends or go out in midweek. It's not very responsible, is it? Because you're, you're not only more likely to suffer health consequences and mental health issues, but you're also more likely to get fired probably because you won't be in a fit state to be able to work properly. You probably won't be performing at the highest level that you possibly could. You're unlike, they're less likely to get a bonus. You're less, you're more likely to get bad reviews. Like why, why would you do Anyway, that's me ranting about people who take drugs. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, my third one, which kind of um, ends mine on a, on a happy note is, is hiccups. What? <laughs> which yeah a bit of a strange one but i can't remember how old i was i watched this documentary on channel four i think i was i was living with mom and dad at the time watched the doc- documentary about this kid or this guy who basically got hiccups and th- they're now a lifelong lifelong thing and it's a it's a side of not a side effect but it's a part of tourette's and apparently there's something like 10 10 people in Britain every year are diagnosed with this hiccups thing and you just don't stop having hiccups. So every time I get hiccups, I'm like, is this me? Is this it? <laughs> you know what, Neil? Here's a deal, right? Here's a deal. Uh, we're doing it live on the podcast. If you get something like that, I'm making a Netflix documentary about you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. My, yeah, my th- brother has hiccups forever. <laughs> it, like, you, I don't know, you're laughing. It, it, it's, it's a weird one, but you can just think how debilitating that is like you, you your self-confidence you're trying to sleep at night you're in a meeting at work it's kind of like Tourette's it's it's a tick and I think that'd be pretty hard to manage and live with so yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty that sucks is it you know especially if you were young like really young so it's 15 16 you were diagnosed with that so imagine imagine going on a first date <laughs> like hi <laughs> Hi. Hi. Yeah. It's gonna work, is it? Anyway, like you're in, 
you're in a beautiful sort of passionate moment and you're sort of just looking out to the sunset. <laughs> or you're in a job interview trying to get trying to get a CEO or something. And yeah, yeah, it's just not. You can't hide it behind an email, can you? <laughs> no, or Zoom. Or Zoom. No, you're just constantly like going on and off and mute. That's not really going to work, <laughs> is it? I sound like I'm taking the piss. It's really bad, but uh, you know, yeah. um, it, it, that's it, it's a horrible thing to have to suffer with. And it was the same kind of thing, you know, that, that Scottish Tourette. If anyone's listening to this, go into YouTube and type in like Scottish Tourette's or something. I think it was. Uh, although it was, you know, relatively very funny to to see them sort of saying very uh, lewd things out loud in a kind of. They're all. I remember them were all in kind of like a circle, yeah. an AA meeting, and there's a woman there who's obviously trying to like community support aspect. And they're all just setting each other off, just calling each other wankers and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And it's very funny, but crikey, that must be such a difficult thing to live with overall. Yeah. Like really, really hard. So yeah, I, I can imagine that uh, getting life lifelong hiccups, Neil, wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be the most fun. No, no. Third, third one for me. I, I was I'm going to change it a little bit because I I put down the whole sort of debilitating illness aspect of things but i think we've kind of gone deep into that my uh i don't i don't particularly like medical things weirdly so things like taking drugs to be able to to treat sort of a headache or going into hospitals or having injections or just just anything that's sort of going to the dentist any any kind of thing like that and it, it is it is irrational but there's kind of an irrationality about it because it's like, you know, we, we can trust that our doctors in this country are trained for doctors and nurses are highly trained. They're some of the best in the world and they're going to give some of the best treatment possible. But I think this, I've always thought about this and where it sort of stemmed from, but I do remember our, our mum had leukemia when we were kids and leukemia back then you had to have like a bone marrow transplant you yeah. lost all your hair, which I still think happened. But you also had to live, you had to live in a bubble. And I think I was about three or four. You'd have just been born, I think, Neil. You were about one or two. Yeah. So Neil was really young. But I do remember some of it. And, you know, I had to wear like a special lab coat to go in to see my mom at that time. It was just, I don't think it was a very nice experience. And I think that, that type of fear of hospitals and the this sort of side effect of going to hospital and why I was going to hospital was never a nice thing. Even if you're only four years old, you still, you still recognize that this is not a nice thing to go and do. You know, mum's not, doesn't look very healthy. It's all kind of a bit, a bit horrible. Everyone's a bit sad. Everyone's yeah. not wondering yeah. what's going on. And I don't, I don't remember it vividly, but I certainly still, it must be still stuck in my subconscious somewhere where I, I just don't, I, I don't, I, I just, I, the fear of going to, to do something or take something when I don't necessarily need to, you know, I can just drink more water if I've got a bit of headache or I can get over this flu myself, like my body can do it or going to the dentist or whatever else, just all the kind of like medical procedure stuff. I don't, it's just not something I really like doing. I don't know if that's a bloke thing. Do you, what are you like when it comes to like cold and flu uh, medicines and stuff? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm fine with taking them, but it, it's probably needles I can't stand and um, I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I've got a phobia of them, but uh, I was another funny story. I've got lots of funny stories, Gordon. You need to start getting your story you, book out. Oh wow, Neil! I mean, <laughs> today's been all about you, quite frankly. You've been taken home in the police for for burning Tesco's down. Yeah. You uh, you've got a, an irrational fear of getting a hiccup condition. That, but you'll be all right now because you've got three kids and a wife, and they'll love you for wherever you are and whatever treat you're about to to brandish with now. So I was at the dentist, and um, I don't know where I developed this needle fear from, but I've, please tell me fast out. I did. <laughs> oh, Neil! You know, uh, you, you know what? You know when we go back to this idea we were talking about, you weren't on Tinder. I mean, you're just you're lucky you met a woman, let alone uh, <laughs> let alone convince her to marry you. Anyway, I can't remember how old I was. Yeah, maybe an adult. I think no, that's, that's all no. we need to know. I was living living at home, mum and dad. I, but you're you're still an adult living at home. You didn't leave for a while. Your class as an adult is it over sixteen. It was not over sixteen. It was like oh right, okay. You just passed out. S S two or something. So whatever age is that is anyway. Thirteen. I was, get, I was getting a filling and um, I looked around and there was these two needles sitting there. <clears throat> 
I just went. <laughs> a few minutes later, I woke up and uh, they shoved a glucose tablet down my throat. That was me. Wow. Uh, I, can't just, that's, I, I don't think that's a funny story, Neil. I think you just, it sounds a bit pathetic. Like, imagine passing out to two needles that are stuck <laughs> on a tray. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know where I got that fear from. And it's not really a fear anymore because, I mean, I, I got my vaccines fine. I've had other injections fine. So, yeah, and I don't know where I developed it. But, I'm not, yeah, also, I wouldn't you've say... Also witnessed, you've also witnessed three children be born, yeah. which is, you know, to any dads that are about to have kids, just prepare yourself a little bit. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a mild war zone. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't say I'm scared of t- t- taking paracetamol, though. You know, where does no, that come I, from I, for you? I don't think I'm scared. I think scared is different to fear. Is it different? Is scared and fear a different thing? Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Don't know, but... There must be a definition difference, surely. I mean, do you not take or do you not want to take them because you want your immune system to, to get stronger or... No, I don't have any kind of woo-ha about the whole kind of like, you know, my body is a temple jargon. That's, yeah. not, that's not the route that I'm going down. It's just kind of a, I don't know, it's just a kind of an irrational thing about about it. And I think, like I said it before, you know, I'm tracing it back to the idea of it being, you know, having that kind of memory of what hospitals represented. Like, there's, yeah. There's, yeah. It's, it's a rare occasion, you know, being having a child was kind of a, a good occasion for it, but it's a rare occasion that you're going into hospital for good things. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a rare occasion you have to take medication for something good. Yeah. I, I, it, sometimes it might be, you know, maybe you take better beta blockers to reduce your blood pressure, for example, or you're taking medication to stay alive. That's that's obviously a good occasion, but I don't have any of those issues necessarily. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I kind of see where you're coming so from. So I just kind of, I, I think I worry quite a lot about that. But then it's just kind of, I just kind of avoid it, avoided it for a while. You know, it's things like, I, I remember, here's a, here's a funny story. It's not really a funny story, Neil, but it's a story. Maybe, maybe you just call your stories. They're not that funny. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one of these stories. So I got tonsillitis and, you know, I was off work for three days or something like that. This is back when I was living in Aberdeen. And my girlfriend at the time comes back, comes home. And she's like, are you all right? I'm like, well, not really. I feel like, I feel, I feel pretty rough, like really rough. And then it's got that late that evening it started to develop and my tonsils are obviously swollen up so much I couldn't really breathe very well. <laughs> wow. So then obviously I got taken into taken into hospital and went to the reception and she was asking about it. She was like, is this an emergency? I'm like, oh, I can't really breathe very well. She's like, <laughs> you can still breathe though. I'm like, yeah. What? You have to go up to G-Docs, which was uh, the sort of 24-hour GP thing up the road from the hospital. They made me walk up there. I didn't feel very well. <laughs> and then I got in and I filled in the form and you know, there's kind of basically classifications of it and you take, you take a box that says, it's, uh, do you feel like this is severe? And they saw me within like two minutes. And I sat down and the, the doctor at the time just went, yeah, you're not really well. Let's take you back down to a uh, and we'll get you on, <laughs> get you on a drip because uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't very well. But that was off the back of the fact that I didn't want to go to the doctor. Yeah. Which is, which is stupid. Like that is stupid, and Laura's probably listening now. She's she always tries to encourage me to go and get a checkup or go and get myself sort of assessed or whatever else, and I should, but I just didn't like it. I felt yeah. I felt like I'm poking around. You know, I'm I'm almost approaching the age where someone's going to stick a finger up my bum. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it, I, I think it's a guy thing. Um, right. Yeah. I get that as well. Like I don't know if you if you think you're you're ill or you're going downhill rapidly. I mean. Uh, an uh, or, or uh, more recent thing got COVID. Don't know if you knew that, but um, I was <laughs> four four out of five podcast. Neil's mentioned he's COVID. <laughs> I was pretty ill, like in bed, and Rebecca was like, "You should phone NHS twenty four. No, I'm not going to phone NHS twenty four. You should phone. No, I'm not phoning NHS twenty four. And it took me till I collapsed until she phoned. Well, she was asking the phone to NHS twenty four when I collapsed, and then she hung up and phoned nine nine nine. So I don't know if it's a guy thing, but I, um, yeah, until I was lying on the floor unconscious, it was finally time to, to phone somebody. But, wow. I mean, I don't, I don't know what that is. I, I, I wonder if there's any guys who watch this and uh, if there are any comment sections out there or whatever else, 
put on. But do 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 you suffer with that kind of thing? You know, is it some sort of like you know we talk about we talk about weird stuff like the patriarch and you know the the stereotypical man and all this kind of thing. You know, perhaps there's also a perhaps there's a negative thing of people, not just not just men, not just women, people saying things like man up probably has resulted in this kind of weird fixation that men need to be strong and powerful and do do not to show their weaknesses and not to show their emotions. So perhaps maybe there's a bunch of men dying because people are saying man up yeah, consciously or as a side yeah. effect. No, I, I think you're right. Um, and guys just don't share their emotions and there's lots of things out there to, to help people and groups and stuff. But yeah. I guess the, the 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 wisdom from me is if you've got a worry, go and get it checked out. Aye, if your balls are a bit itchy, go and see your doctor. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, you should do that. Your balls aren't very itchy, are they, Neil? No, no. But let's not go down that route in the, the podcast. Not not explicit. <laughs> Why? Does, does I listen in a room listening to this? Does she, no, because you, you, you get you get rated down, and nobody listens to you. <laughs> You get rated. Um, I am not bothered because, like the the podcast. Quite frankly, if you look at our simple cast um, analytics, Neil, it's on the decline. <laughs> I actually haven't looked in a few in a week or two. So, because it doesn't matter. Like like I said before, it's actually quite nice to sit down and have a chat and just yeah. talk about stuff. Because I didn't know I didn't know about the fact that you uh, you passed out from needles at a dentist. I didn't know that some <laughs> of your some of your weird and wonderful fears that you have, and I didn't, also didn't know that we agreed that we. We probably actually agree with the idea of euthanasia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that, that, that's a good thing to know. Like, I know that when I die, I want my body donated to science. I don't want to go in a bloody hole or get cremated. I'd like them to chop me up and use whatever they want. Like, what yeah. a waste. Getting, getting buried in a hole that rot or burned alive, burned dead. I know, I know. I guess a, 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 challenge, a challenge for any of the listeners, the one or the two that might, might tune in, is... Think about your biggest fears and, and why you're feeling that way. And you know, is it death? Because death is an interesting one. And if you really think about it and ch- try and challenge it, you can't really stop it happening. So, is, is there really any point in fearing it if you're fear it every day or every week? Think about why you're doing that. Are you, have you got stuff that you want to take off your bucket list before that fear goes away? Do you want to have kids or, or have, a, have a life? I mean, I, I, I don't know if it was subconsciously why I chose to get married early have young kids whether that's something deep down who knows but who knows you might have just been pressured into it Rebecca could have shut you down <laughs> and said Neil you're marrying me we're having we're having kids you've got no say in it and Neil just went okay okay I'll have them yeah although I, 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 did, I, did, I, did, I did make the first move well you know you could have been manipulated into making that first move you see if you see the Tinder swindler this could have been like you know the, the Disneyland dolphin swindler. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, wrapping it up. <laughs> Neil loves my chat on these podcasts. You can tell when he instantly just goes, Gordon, change the subject. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Does Rebecca listen to these podcasts or is. is uh... She's listened to a couple. She liked the one about the, the labour stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have and I got it. That one. I, I got it really wrong. Uh, I should have said that at the start, actually. I think I said in the in the podcast it was five hours using labour. It was not five hours. It was like fifty two hours. <laughs> not far off, Neil. You're uh, you have brownie points on that one, I'm sure. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think she, she enjoys them. And as I mentioned, I've, I've got a few friends who spark up conversation with me. I haven't spoke to in ages, saying they've really, they've really enjoyed them. Somebody from Chapel Geary actually messaged me the other day, um, nice. which is nice. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's just uh, as I say, we're not doing it for the for the views. I'm I more like it to interact with you and speak to you more, but also have that um, I don't know, diary for the kids when they grow up. Yeah. If I was to get hit by a bus tomorrow, one, one question before we uh, before we sort of wrap this this bad boy up. What's oh. your second book of second book of the year? I'm actually on my fourth. So. Wow! <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm halfway. I'm halfway through Will which is Will Smith's biography with Mark Manson. Sweet. 
Um, and it's, it's right. super, I mean, the part where Will Smith was 19 years old and he gets sent to jail, which I didn't wow. know. He, he did jail time. Anyway. Excellent. Are you reading any interesting books? Get a chance I to am, finish. I am reading one called Navi Ravel, Ravi Kant, Navel Ravi Kant. Uh, serial investor in Silicon Valley, blah, blah, blah. Did lots of Twitter things. This guy basically put all of his blogs and Twitter things and podcasts all into a book. And it's really fascinating. Really, really good. One of the ones, that, one of the sort of chapters or sections is about um, doing doing lifelong things with lifelong people. Mm. Which I thought was quite good. So it's like business deals and stuff. You should have a core p- bunch of people that you basically just trust with with everything and anything yeah and have yeah. Pay, pay dividends but that, that kind of stuff but i'm reading my second book so I'm, i did one did my die with zero and then this one so hopefully i should have two finished for the year which would be nice nice one are you going to choose well, the next topic before we sign off i don't know actually we might might come up with some more we've got a few we've got things like failed companies biggest risks life advice from a 30 something year old good interview someone should find someone to interview. Yeah. Reckon, reckon we, we could interview Dad. That'd be quite funny. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> do, you, do you think he'd be up for it? No. I could ask him, but we'll see. see what, what, would, what would we ask him? <laughs> Don't know. I'd need to... Oh, that'd I'd be to quite funny, him. actually. Let's, let's see if he'll do it. You, you ask him, Neil, and see what he says. Uh, the cliche of getting married, having kids, and how bloody good it is. Oh, that was something I wanted to talk about, actually. It was just this kind of, uh, this take on the idea that we shouldn't follow trends. We should set our own paths. But then when we look at our lives, we've kind of gone after, we've gone after something of what of a trend, right? You meet a girl, get married, have a kid. Yeah. Maybe. We'll, we'll come up with something. Either way, we're, we're just cool. kind of droning on now. We're taking up someone, we're taking people's time. Yeah. But been a pleasure, thanks, Gordon. Thanks, thanks for episode number five, Nelson. Um, I'm glad you've had a good week. We'll convene next week and see what we can come up with as a as a podcast episode. Sounds good. All right, Neil. Thanks for thanks everyone for listening. For the two people that have tuned in for episode number five, <laughs> we will uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. Cheers. <laughs>